Um, man, it is such a, an incredible thing that God has done. We have been over uh, just a little bit over a year meeting here on Sunday mornings. And when we first landed here uh, on Sunday mornings, we, we, we did this sermon series. So I'm just being very open and transparent. This is, a, this is a, a, a sermon series that we've done in the past. We're redoing it today. Because here's why. Our church has changed drastically. We've grown from a little tiny room on the first floor to here, and we know that after this uh, last week of, uh, of people being gone and summer, just we're going to have a lot more people fill this room. And when we did this sermon series, it was very vital for us because we wanted to share with you guys that call Oasis home, right? And those of you that are visiting that maybe don't call Oasis home, this sermon and these sermons to come will help you, I, I promise you. But if you call Oasis home, we really believe that we have to strengthen our core. We have to build the core. And as we launched this church, as my wife and I launched with our team, amazing people, we wrote down some core values that we believe in, that we stand on. You know why? If businesses do it, we should do it, right? If people that, that, that have, have a map and a guideline of how they do it, then we should definitely as a church have some greater things to live by, right? And some values that we stand on, right? But this isn't just because it's a, a, a church and our staff. No, we have staff values. They're different, right? These are our core values of our church. And, man, our creative team did such an amazing job. As you see, each one of these go by each week that we're going to go through. Why do I have these? Why do you have these? One, I want you to keep these. I want you to take these home with you. I want you to, to read what you took notes from Sunday and discover. Take notes throughout the week. You know, they say you can't get to heaven unless you take notes. So you be the judge of that, okay? Um, and so take a lot of notes right this week. And these weeks to come, write stuff down that God speaks to you. This is an amazing booklet. But I, I, I called this Building the Core. And as I was talking to, to Joseph, who's a lot smarter than me, we were discovering this a while back. And, you know, core, the word core, right? In the Latin, it means heart, right? In Latin, it means heart. In the Hebrew, it means a measurement to fill a vessel. Interesting concept, right? Building the core. What am I saying? What are you filling your heart with? And what's inside of your heart? Because what is inside of your heart will flow out of you. Amen? Out of the abundance, the heart, uh, the mouth speaks, right? And so what's in you will come out of you. What are we filling our hearts with as people of God? And I believe this sermon series, as we walk through these core values, we're really going to help one another. We're going to build the city. How many of you know such a time as this that we need Oasis Church Chicago here in this city called Chicago? I believe that. And so what we're going to walk through, these are biblical, strong teachings that, that as a follower of Jesus, we believe that we should do our best to live by, right? These are biblically-based core values. These aren't just something we thought, oh, these sound really good. They're really, uh, like, they flow really well. No, we've prayed over these. We've, we've asked God to move in these, and I believe God's going to do this here as we move forward. I want to read something to you real quick. As uh, I was writing this sermon series, I wrote this out, and uh, half of it got in the first half of this book of, that you have in your hands, but I want to read this, kind of set this up. I'm always so fascinated when I watch the world's strongest man competition. Anybody ever seen that before? Those guys are houses. They're literally units. <laughs> I had to. They're houses. These men are extremely strong, and by extremely, I mean they're lifting up cars, pulling semi-trucks, and throwing excessive amount of weight way up in the sky. That's just ridiculous, right? Have you ever seen them chuck something up over like this big old bar? It's ridiculous. It's hundreds and hundreds. It's just, why? Why? <laughs> why do you need that in your life? These men are strong throughout their entire physical body, but what you cannot see is the amount of strength that is found in their cores. 
These men will be the first to tell you that their core strength matters. It's vital. Without the core, these men would not be where they're at today. These men would be unable to lift, pull, and endure. Catch that? Without the core strength, these men would be unable to lift, pull, and endure within their everyday workouts and competitions like the world's strongest man. I watch these men and many athletes in our world today and see the amount of strength they have in their core and how it directly correlates to what they're able to do. Core strength makes it easier to do physical activities. This is exactly the reason for this series. We believe as a church that the level to which we build, reach, and impact this city is the level to which our core is able to lift. That's good. At the level to which we're going to impact is by the level of which our core is strong. We are strong, right? We are strong as people. This series, we will discover what we believe here at Oasis Church Chicago. This isn't to build, this isn't just, like I said, just for Oasis people, right? These will take you and lead you and guide you into a lot of things. If you're just visiting today, take these things with you. Take this booklet with you. I believe this. These values are what we live by, how we operate, and how we believe Jesus has called us to be in this beautiful city. If you call this place home or are with us for the first time, we genuinely believe that these values can take deep root and help you carry significant weight in every area of your life. Lean in with us. Take notes. Reflect daily. Don't just make it about Sundays, but carry this into everything you do Monday through Saturday. I believe God's best is still ahead for each and every one of us, no matter what you have experienced, done, or have not done. Right? No matter what you have done or not done, today you can begin. Today we will begin to build our core in Jesus' name and step out in all that he has for us. And everybody says amen. amen. I need to set this up. This is the foundational message for where we're going. I believe these words. Today we're going to discover the first thing we landed on as a church. Very first phrase, I remember Rachel and I were sitting in our little tiny apartment. It was like the size of the stage. And we were writing and planning and preparing. And uh, um, I, I remember saying, Rachel was like, well, what do, what do we want to have as a, a mission statement? Like, what's our statement? And I, I didn't really have a mission statement yet, but I had a phrase. And it was this, Jesus, our hope. His city, our home. Jesus, our hope, his city, our home. A message that carries us, that keeps our core tight. We are here because of Jesus. He is our king, our God with a name, and he is our hope. This city, Chicago, is his city. This is not JP city. This is not Oasis Church, Chicago city. This is God's city. Amen? I laugh when I see people put up on their Instagram, my city. It ain't your city. You don't own the city. Right? You may reside in the city, but you sure don't own this city, right? There are many people that walk around thinking they own. This is God's city. This is God's city. And we are here to live here. We are here to be here. If you are not from another city, that's God's city where you're at. And you're called to live there. You're called to be there. And this is our home. We're going to look at Acts 17, 16 through 33 if you have your Bibles. And we're going to discover an incredible story of the Apostle Paul in the great city of Athens. Paul was a great man of faith. I love Paul. He's an awesome man. He, he penned half of this New Testament. Man, Paul has a story, right? He was killing Christians, and then God radically met him on a street. And now he's saving people, and he's telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ, right? You talk about a past that God can use. Hey, let me just say this to each and every one. If you don't hear anything else, you got a past, give it over to God and let him use it. And watch him use it in a mighty way. In a mighty way. Right? 
right? I'm encouraged. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future, Oscar Wilde said. Amen? Jesus, our hope. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only one that saves. This is his city, our home. And we're going to discover what Paul did as he went through the city of Athens. Pray with me this morning. Jesus, we love you. I pray, God, that what is said and done in this place, God, will bring glory to your name. May every word that is spoken be from heaven and heaven alone. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to walk us through this passage of Scripture, right, step by step. Okay, normally I would read, share a funny story. We're not doing that today. Amen. I'm going to walk us through Acts 17, 16 through 34. But let me give you a little context. Paul has been going everywhere. He, uh, he had just left a town called Berea. He was being persecuted. They were running after him. They were coming to get him. People that did not like Paul were now pursuing him. And the disciples and the people of God said, Paul, you got to get out of here. you got to head. you got to go. And so Paul made his way to a city called Athens, right? I'm giving you some Bible 101, okay? So Paul is heading to Athens, right? He lands in Athens, and he is there, and he says, it says, Scripture says that he was waiting for his sidekicks, right? Timothy. He was waiting for them, and he was, he was waiting there, and as he was there, he, he felt prompted in his heart to do something, right? Athens is an amazing city. Has anybody ever been to Athens? Hands up, nobody? Brennan, awesome. It's an incredible city. It's a beautiful city. It's a, it's a city at that time where it was kind of the hub for everything. Athens was, was, in my opinion, like a Chicago, like a New York City where you just kind of went in and the scriptures would say and theologians would say you just kind of felt like, whoa, right? Ever been to Manhattan, Times Square? I love Chicago, but it's not like Manhattan, thank God. <laughs> because I walk into to, to downtown like Times Square and I'm like, whoa. I have like a panic attack. I'm like brown paper bag. Like, there's so many people, there's so many bright lights, but this is like, this is how I envision Athens, right? Just kind of this really place that was buzzing. It was a place that was, there was a hub for everybody from all different walks of life, all different places, and they came and they landed there. There was buildings, there was people with talent, there was people of deep thinking. A lot of people in that town, in that place, they were deep thinkers, they sat around, Scripture says in a moment, they just sat around and talked about all the, the, the good things that they saw, right? This was a city that was impactful during that time. It's no different, I believe, than Chicago today. Let me say this. There's nothing new under the sun. Okay, so what happens then still happens today. And I believe as I was reading this and discovering this powerful story, I was like, man, this is like as if Paul would step into Chicago. This is a bright city, bright lights, people everywhere. But people have nothing here, right? They may seem and appear to have everything, but they are missing out on everything. Hello, right? They are missing it all. And it's our job. It's our responsibility. It's our commission, right? If you don't like the word job, then let me just say it's your commission to go and to share the good news of Jesus to these people that have nothing and they need everything. Paul, as he begins to walk through the city, the first thing that I see and that we should have in our hearts if we're going to call this city our home, if we're going to believe Jesus to be the hope for this city. How many of you believe Jesus is the hope for this city? I said it at prayer night, and I said it earlier. I'm, I'm just, I said to God, God, I'm tired of the violence. I'm tired of it. I'm fed up with it. I believe that there's going to be a shift and a change that's going to come and wash over this city. But the only way, right, the only way it's going to happen is if Jesus gets at the center of the city. You know, the mayor, Ram, said, said to a pastor that I know, very, very strong. He's our pastor. 
he was at a table with them, and he looked over to this pastor, and he was weeping. This was like days ago, right? Like I think the, the violence was really bad Saturday. So this was Monday morning. And he looked to the pastor, and he said, no program, nothing that we have thought of is going to fix this. He said, we need churches in every area of the city. You want to talk about kings being spoken to by the Spirit of God? It's happening, guys. Wake up. It's happening in this city. Right? This is happening. Like, Rahm Emanuel. I will, we pray for our mayor. We believe in him. We hope for him. We trust that God's going to use him. But he says, God, this is not going to be fixed with anything else except the church. And the, pa- the pastor was telling me, he's like, JP, we got we to gotta do, we got to go. We got to go. And so Paul is walking through the church, uh, the city, and he sees something. And the first thing is this. He has a heart moved with compassion. Verse 16 in my big Bible this morning. Don't judge me. I forgot my Bible at home. He says this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Verse 16. He was greatly distressed because the city was filled with idols. Paul was filled with remorse. He was filled with an unsettled spirit. He was he was. He, he wasn't angry, but he was moved with compassion. He was bothered, right? He was, like, looking around the city, and he arrives, and he sees all these idols, right? He sees these idols. Scripture says, theologians say, there was over 30,000 idols within that city. 30,000. That's a lot of little statues. <laughs> Could you imagine walking through that city, seeing these little 30,000 people? That's a lot. <laughs> Well, you guys, are, you guys aren't with me. You guys are like, I think that's a lot. That's all. Imagine 30,000. <laughs> and these people are worshiping them. I can't remember three. How do they remember 30,000 names of their idols? Right? Think about That's just another story another time, right? Because they all had names. All the idols had names. How do you remember them? But Paul arrives, right, and he sees all of this, and he's filled with compassion. It says that he was moved. He was greatly Distress. Well, JP, we don't have 30,000 little statues laying around Chicago. Really? Then you're missing what idol means. And let me tell you, you know what idol means? It means replacing anything that takes the place of God. Well, we don't have little guys just sitting around that people are standing before. No, no, no. We have a lot of idols in our lives. Jobs, finances, friends, relationships, kids, neighborhood. You, I could just go down the list. Of things that people have placed. I have done it. I'm, I'm with you in this boat together, right? That we have put in front of God. That we have replaced God with these things. You put whatever your idol is there, X, that's there. It's all throughout Chicago. It's everywhere I go. When I have conversations with people, I hear all the time what they are going after. And I sit there and I'm just like, man, man, they, man, man. I'm distressed. I'm distressed when I sit in the schools with these young kids. And I hear what they want to be. Because no one's told them that there's more for them. Forgive the personal stories today, but I, I sit there and I'm like, man, they got so many idols sitting in front of them. They just, they see these things and this is what they should be. They should go after money, fame, SoundCloud fame. I'm so done with SoundCloud rappers and all these people. Don't put that on the podcast. 
It's just like these kids are running after everything else. They want to get after everything they can touch. They want to touch and grab everything else except the one that's going to save them, that's going to heal them, that's going to restore their lives. People here in this city have put idols all around them. And Paul is distressed. You know what I noticed, though? He's not angry. He's not mad. See, Christians, can I talk to you in the room? Stop getting angry. Stop picking fights with stuff that we shouldn't be picking fights with. Just be moved with compassion. Be distressed and take it before the throne room of grace and then go and share the good news of Jesus with people. See, we fight battles all the time. We pick fights and it's like, why? It's going to do nothing. Paul didn't show up to the, to the city and start taking a bat to all the idols. Sometimes we walk in and we're just trying to take bats to people. No, we can't take bats to people. We need to come to people with open arms. We need to be so compassionate, so moved with compassion in our hearts that we need to say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to tell you something greater. I'm going to show you more for your life. Is this encouraging anybody in the room this morning? Listen, we got to be moved with compassion. If your heart doesn't break when you see things on the news, when you see things in these streets, then don't go. Please go and get in your prayer closet and ask God, God, break my heart. God, truly break my heart for this. Let's not become so desensitized to what's happening. Well, it's not in my neighborhood. It's not on my block. I don't have to worry about it. You do have to worry about it. This is our home. This is, uh, this is where God has placed us. So we as the church have to rise up. Amen? Amen? Let's be a church that is distressed by what we see, moved with compassion in this city. To be moved to step up and to reach out, to love, to share the good news of Jesus. You know, our compassion can change people. You guys know that. But our compassion, when it's wrapped with the Holy Spirit, radically transforms people. Wow. Our compassion, you can have compassion, and it can change people for a moment. But when you have supernatural compassion, it can radically transform people. Right? Let's be a church. Can we be a church that our core is so strong, that our hearts are so burdened, that we want to be filled with compassion. We want to have the heart of God that we see things that are wrong and we say, that is wrong. We have a solution. We have an answer. We're not going to become angry. We're not going to become like us against them. Right? I say it all the time because it happens all the time. They're like, why do you always tell us it's us against them? Because it happens throughout churches all the time. I've been around a little bit. Right? And I've seen a lot of stuff. Let's be moved with compassion that it's not about us, about them. It's us going to reach them. Amen? Like, let's just be, let's not be angry. Yo, just chill. Get alone with God. Take a breather and say, God, I know you're doing more. I know you're doing more. I know you can do more in this city. Someone says to me one time, JP, you're so about the city. You're so about compassion. Like, you're so positive about what's happening in the city. Why are you so positive? There's craziness happening. People say this to me. And I'm like, why? Because I could dwell on the negative. How many of you could dwell on the negative? We could all have a circle together. We could all dwell on the negative. The world is falling. The sky is falling everywhere. It's, it's just the, the end, right? This is like by nature me, though. I'm going to be honest. Without Jesus, this is by nature who I am. Ask my wife. She'll tell you all about it. She'll be like, He's, JP, stop being so negative. I'm like, you're right. They're like, why are you so positive? Why do you have such a positive outlook? You know why? Because Jesus Tell us more. Jesus. No, give me something else. Jesus. No, I need something more. Jesus. 
He died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that we could have life, we could have hope, we could have a foundation, we could have assurance of the kingdom to come. We could have life in Jesus Christ. We don't need anything else. So I'll stay positive. You want to stay positive? Come with me. Let's be positive together about what's happening in the city. We could dwell on all the craziness, or we could say, no, you know what? Oasis Church Chicago and every church in the city that's preaching the name of Jesus is rising up and taking ground for this city. I'm kind of just like, who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? I don't know where that's from. So Paul's burdened, right? He's burdened. And the second thing that he does is something powerful. The second thing is kingdom order is required. If we're going to claim this city to be our home, but God's city and Jesus our hope, we have to walk in kingdom order. Okay? Let me do my best to articulate this. Verse 17 says this. So he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue, a.k.a. the church, with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Okay? So Paul gets moved with compassion. He's burdened. And he's like, the first thing I'm going to go do, I'm going to go to church. Paul, really? You're Paul. Why don't you just start going to work? Right? Anybody else? Me. Okay. Paul, you're, you're the man. <laughs> just go. Just go do it. No, there's a kingdom order. There's always a kingdom order with God. And what Paul does is he goes to the synagogue first. He goes to the church first. He goes and he gets filled up. He has conversations with people in the church. He builds up the church. He strengthens the church. He equips the church. Are you with me? He's telling the church, hey, there's a city out there filled with idols. Hey, we got to do more. We got to be more. We got to share more. We got to show them more, right? And he's out there in the, in the synagogue, and he's telling them. He's building them up. See, what the problem is, is we could get moved with compassion. We could get moved with supernatural compassion. But then we just jump to go do it instead of getting built up in the church of God. We have to get built up here. You have to lay strong roots here because what happens when you go there is when you go there, you may get punched. You may get hit. You may get knocked. And what happens is you're like, I'm just punched and knocked. I'm just going to go home. Right? This happens all the time. But if you're like, you know what, no, I'm going to get to the church first. I'm going to have a kingdom order. I'm going to get rooted here first. I'm going to get built up so that when I go there and I get hit, I'm going to come back here and get strengthened, get built up, get encouraged, get, get just become alive, right? This is, this is good. Because what happens is, is people all the time come to me and say, JP, I'm going to go do a ministry in the city. I'm like, that's awesome. We, like, go, please. Where are, you, where, are you, where are you grounded at? Where are you rooted in? Well, I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm like, no, don't. Like I just, I'm like, no. I'm like red flags like flying up in my spirit. I'm like, no, don't. Please don't. For the sake of you and for the sake of God's church, don't. Because what happens is if you don't get rooted in the church, you're not going to get equipped by God's presence here in this church. This church, I pray, equips you, grows you, strengthens you, right? So that when you walk out those doors back there, you filled up. You're encouraged. You may be on E when you walked in here, but you're walking out of here full. Right? Because when you walk out of here full, you're ready to go take on a city Monday through Saturday with a full tank. Guys, get to church. Be in his presence together. We strengthen each other when we're next to each other. That's why in prayer meeting, we're holding each other's hands and we're grabbing each other's hands and we're praying for one another. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. To not give up meeting together. As some have done. It says in Hebrews. 
We are called to do this. Paul understood this. Paul understood. And you know what? I also think Paul walked into that church and said, hey, guys, you guys are all here in this little church. Well, do you not see what's happening outside? Do you not understand what's going on? I imagine Paul, like, saying these to these guys, right? Are you, there's 30,000 idols sitting out there. Do you, got, you guys just concerned about who's inside? We're safe? Safe zone. Right? This is how we act sometimes. We're just safe. We're not called to be safe ever as believers. Amen? That's a really hard thing to say amen to. I think I want to be safe. I don't know if I want to. Oh, God's going to protect us. God's going to watch over us. But our lives are never called to just be safe and comfortable. Jesus' cross wasn't comfortable. So, so listen, listen. So I think Paul's saying to these guys, like, hey, hey, listen, wake up. Right? So he's there encouraging. He's telling them, wake up. Wake up. Come on, we got a big thing out there that we got to go tackle together because Paul knew that it was better together. Paul knew that he couldn't just go tackle a city by himself alone. He said he knew he had to get people to go with him. So Paul goes from the church, and then it says it goes to the marketplace. What's the marketplace? Your school, your job, your neighborhood, the streets that you walk on every day, that coffee shop that you sit in every day to get your latte, right? The Uber driver that picks you up every time, right? That's your marketplace. The people that you do life with around you every single day, that is your marketplace. Paul understands, hey, i got to get built up in the church, and now i got to go to the marketplace. And now i got to go tell people about Jesus. Yeah. Now i got to actually do what God's called me to do instead of just lifting hands and worship, saying, God, you're so good, I love you, and then just going home and doing nothing. See, this faith doesn't call you to do nothing. It calls you to do everything. It calls you to action. This is an action call, right? And Paul understands that. That He says, hey, listen, I went to the synagogue, I got built up, and now... I am going to go in the streets. Our church, Oasis Church Chicago, will always be a church in the public. Well, what do you mean? Prime example, O groups. Get to them. I've heard reports of guys and men and women that open up their Bibles in the public and people are just like staring at them. Like, you still read that book? People think that way here. Don't, it's funny, but it's sad. Like, that book. And then they see the joy on faces of our people. Right? Love Chicago's. Serve. If you can't help serve in that time, pray for that time. Do something of that time. Let's be a church that goes to the marketplaces, invades the marketplace, right? Let's not just be a church that shrinks back and just says, I'm good. I got enough people around me. We're comfortable. No, I want this church to be filled upon masses and masses. Oh, you're just trying to build a mega church. No, I'm about souls. And I'm about souls being transformed. So guess what? Every time someone walks into those walls, into these seats, I pray that God transforms their souls. And that they would be with us in heaven, in the kingdom. But the only way that's going to happen is if we first get built up here, and then we go to the marketplace and we begin to tell people, hey, be vocal about church. Be vocal about the goodness of Jesus. Can we? Can we just come to that agreement? Start leaving those cards behind. Just, just leave. I have these cards that say, like, I, don't, I forget what the cards say. I have no idea. It's awesome. But I leave them in, like, you know when you sign for, like, meals? I slip it under there. And I write a little note. I don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're just called to throw seeds. And God's called to bring the harvest. But we got to get to the marketplace, right? So it's kingdom order. Don't try to go to the marketplace before getting built up in God. Please? Amen? Because that's what builds this. That's what strengthens the core, that you are tight, you are right, you are ready to go. Amen?
Third thing that I see that Paul does is heavenly wisdom is needed. See, if we're going to step out, we need heavenly wisdom, amen? Especially in a city like Chicago where there are ideas, there are, there are things that people say and believe that it's just like, where did that come from? Right? Have you ever had that conversation with someone? I have many times. I'm like, where did that, where? Is that, is that in a book somewhere? Because I've never heard that. But you know, it's what they believe. It's what they believe. And I need to have supernatural, heavenly wisdom to speak to them. You guys, you guys need this. Can I be honest? You need to pray for this. I know we just went through Proverbs, but let me reiterate it. You need to have heavenly wisdom to speak to people in this city. If you think you can just go have a conversation and be like, Jesus loves you, they're going to be like, there's an art to it. Why? Wisdom. Verse 18 through 21 says this. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? They're making fun of Paul. Okay, so Paul's now talking out in the streets. He's talking in the marketplace. These people are making fun of Paul. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the... Uh, I would say that word wrong a thousand times. Aeropagus. It's your pastor for you. Praise the Lord. Aeropagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. <laughs> all their time. It doesn't say some of the time. They just said all their time. They just sat around. Tell us more. We're just here talking. Talking about what? Just ideas. Go do something with your lives. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think about, right? But see, Paul's, Paul's pretty awesome. He has heavenly wisdom to go in and speak to what's happening in this city, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't come at him. They criticize him, right? And as he's being criticized, he's still sharing the story of Jesus. Have you ever said something and someone heard it and misunderstood it? Story of my marriage. With me all the time. I say something to Rachel, I was like, I didn't mean it that way. Like, help me. <laughs> but Paul is sharing the good news of Jesus and the resurrection, right? But these people here at this time, what they're hearing is just like craziness, right? Because what actually is happening is there's, 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 there's the original Greek resurrection is Anastasia, which also sounds like a Greek goddess to them. So they're like, this guy's a joke. He's talking about Jesus and he's talking about a Greek god. This is, this is not lining up. This guy's crazy, right? But, but I believe Paul was like, no, 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 hold on. It's Jesus and his resurrection, right? Heavenly wisdom. He wasn't just like, I give up. I'm walking away. It's too hard. Don't give up, right? Don't give up on people. This is making sense today. Don't give up on people. Because these people were like, man, this guy's crazy. This guy's nuts. There's two groups of people, the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans were just basically like atheists. They didn't believe in anything. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They lived for the moment. Pleasure was everything, right? Eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we die. <laughs> this was their life mottos. Right? So these guys are this way. The Stoics, they were just like, we accept whatever's been given to us. They're kind of just like these people, right? You ever seen these people? It's like, whatever happens. Right? So there's two groups of people happening in the story. Two very different groups of people. But they believe two very different things, except they agreed on one thing, that Jesus was not real. Right? Amen? They, you guys with me? I know I'm going fast. I got a little bit of time here. 
But they, 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 they're saying, Paul, what are you saying? It's not real. It's not true. It's not right. You're crazy, Paul. And Paul's like, God, give me supernatural wisdom to speak right now. Because these people don't believe me. They don't understand what I'm saying. God, give me the wisdom to speak. Right? And watch what happens. Paul begins to tell them, and they said, oh, you're talking something that we've never heard before. <laughs> and they say, hey, Paul, come here. <laughs> come here. Come to our little think tank. Right? Come to our little room where all of us sit around and we just tell the greatest ideas and the right ideas. Paul, come in. See, what happens is, is people may not like you at first. When you start to preach Jesus and you start to tell them about who Jesus is, they may not like you. That's okay. Just keep going after them. I got a neighbor that I truly believe every time I see him, I'm like, hey, I love you. It's so good to see you. Praying for you, brother. And he's like, thanks. <laughs> Taking like five steps back. No, for real. He just had like major, I'm like, praying for you. Praying for supernatural healing. He's like, thanks. Right? But I believe one day he's going to be like, he's sitting in his house, I believe, and he's like, that guy's a weirdo, right? But one day he's going to be like, hey, JP, come here. Come here. Because I need to talk to you. Because what you live like, how you live, what your marriage is like, what your home is like, I need what you have. What you've been saying to me, I didn't get it. I don't really understand it. I don't fully get it, but please come talk to me. Right? This is what happens when we understand that this is God's city. This is our home, and we need supernatural wisdom to speak to people because people might at first call you a babbler. Let them. But then love them. Keep going after them. Don't give up. We give up too easy, right? Because we're the generation of like, I'll just get the next thing. Don't give up on people. Keep running after them. They invite him to this think tank uh, place, and he starts to tell them the good news. Why? Because deep down, I believe this, every single person is curious. That was a really good place to say amen. I believe that every single person here in the city is curious. They want to know. They want to know. I don't have long. So Paul tells them. He shares with them. He shares wisdom with them, but then he speaks with kingdom authority. He speaks with kingdom authority. So Paul does something awesome. He compliments them, and then he corrects them. See, in verse 22 through 23, I'm not going to read out of time, but Paul basically says, like, hey, I see you all are very religious. Right? He, he compliments them. Many theologians, it's not just me making up. Many theologians said that language is like, Paul's like, hey, you're really good people. Right? Right? And then he tells them a compliment, and then he goes into telling them, but hold on a second. <laughs> How many of you know it's a lot easier to correct someone when they know you love them? Like, do you know that? It's a lot easier, right? As a, as a kid, I knew that my parents loved me, so I took their correction. I didn't always heed it, but I took it, right, because I knew they loved me. And I knew what they were telling me was because they loved me, a lot of us have to first get the art of loving people and then correcting people. See, Paul tells him, hey, I see you're very religious. I see you're good people, but, right? He doesn't just compliment him and tell him something and leave. He tells him, but you're missing something. You're missing everything. He begins then to speak kingdom authority into them. He begins to share with them, hey, I see you got a God of an unknown idol. That's cool and all, but you're missing it. You're, you're just continually just being empty. What you're missing is what I got to tell you. And what I got to tell you is there's a man named Jesus, and he died on a cross, and he rose again three days later, and he's living in heaven with his heavenly father, and he came to this earth to die for you. This is his city, right? We're his people, called by his name to go and proclaim this. These people never heard this. They never got this. And so Paul then, number five, shares Jesus with them. See, all this leads up to this, right? Right? He shares Jesus with them. He goes through this beautiful scripture, verse 24 through 31. I don't have time to read it. Please read this story when you go home. He shares Jesus with them. 
He doesn't just tell people, hey, I got I to gotta correct you. No, he gives them the good news, right? Can we be people that give the good news alongside of love and of, alongside of correction? Just don't correct people and then be like, peace, right? Say, hey, hey, listen, I see what you're doing. It's not good. Let me tell you something that is good. His name is Jesus. And he shares how good God is, the creator. He's like, hey, if you guys believe in a creation, you got to believe in a creator. Hey, if you see a design, you got to believe in a designer. There's somebody greater than what you guys think, something greater than a little idol that I could just kick over, right? He's like, there's something greater. There's a God in heaven that will never be shaken. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never fail. And I'm going to tell you about him. And Paul begins to tell them about it. And the scriptures say, as people are hearing this news, they're like, man, I am moved. I am touched. Whatever Paul is talking about, I want to have. See, when we start to realize that this is God's city we are here for a reason to tell people about the goodness of God people are going to start to say hey tell me more I want to know more I want what you have and we got to proclaim the resurrected king is here in this city the resurrected Lord is here in this city he has died for you he rose again three days later for you so that you could have life you could have hope you could have an abundant life you're never going to leave you he's never going to forsake you he's going to keep running after you so hey this is the Jesus that I know and love and know to be true and know to be everything in my life. This is who Paul is, and then what he's saying, are we living this way? Are we living this way? See, if we're going to believe Jesus, our hope, his city, our home, then we have to live in this city with the hope of Jesus. And we got to tell people about it. Amen? We're going to pray. We're going to worship. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I pray today, God, that You'll help us have a deeper understanding. God, I pray actually today that we have a deeper burden for this city, for the people in this city. God, that we will have such a burden, God, that we won't walk around and become angry, God, but we will walk around becoming filled with compassion, God. God, filled with hearts that are burdened, God, for people, God, seeing, God, people living for everything, God, but they're missing out on everything, God. God, I pray today, God, that you will touch each and every person's heart in this place, God. God, truly, we pray this prayer all the time, but I'm asking with a fresh anointing, God, that you would break people's hearts, break my heart for this city in a greater way. God, I pray that we will get alone with you, God, that we will be built up in your presence, in your church, God, and we will go and we will invade the marketplace. We will be the light and the salt of earth to people, God. Every person we come in contact, God, may they see us, God. May they see you in us. God, I pray today, God, that we will speak with kingdom wisdom, God. We'll speak with kingdom authority, God, and we will share you always, God. God, so God, we just pray that our lips will always proclaim the risen king. Our lips will always proclaim the the empty tomb, God. Our lips will always proclaim that there is a God in heaven that loves his children, that wants to spend time with his people, that wants to walk and talk with people, that is not against them, God, but is for them, God, that began a good work and people is going to carry it to completion, God. God, fill us with mighty words. Fill us with kingdom authority, God. Fill us with everything of your spirit, God, that we can walk, we can talk, and we can reach this city, God. So, God, we proclaim this, we ask this, and we believe this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.